0: Divine Healing by Rod Anderson Lesson One Father. Uh, We come to you again today in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We, We want to approach this topic of healing, Father, very honestly. Your word is full of the truths of what your son came to do. And Lord, I'm asking in Jesus' name that with just eight hours of teaching that you would allow us to communicate a good foundation for faith That we might have a good understanding father of your will for us in the area of healing in the name of jesus christ of nazareth father as we start this course we ask once again for you to please please grant us your spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of christ jesus i thank you that even as these words go forth they open up atmospheres that we might hear what the Spirit of the Lord wants to speak to our spirit. I'm praying, Father, that the Word of the Lord will gain entrance into our hearts, that it will go past our mind, that it will get into our spirit, that it will impact every part of our life, Father, so that we might not only know for ourselves what the Word of God says, but that we might be able to inspire others and help others, Father, to want to look into this further for themselves. So we trust you for your anointings. Holy Spirit, I do yield myself to you again. I ask humbly for you to please use me. Uh, Please help me to open my mouth and faithfully amplify these truths. Help me to say things in such a way that we understand. Take us from strength to strength, Father. Take us from faith to faith take us from one glory to another level of glory as we look into your eternal word, this word that you said would never, never, never pass away. So we trust you for your help. And again, we thank you for this course and we roll the care of it over on you even as we begin in Jesus name, in Jesus name, amen. Quote, before people can have a steadfast faith for the healing of their body, they must be rid of all uncertainty concerning God's will in the matter. Appropriating faith, in other words, faith that actually receives something or gets something. Appropriating faith cannot go beyond one's knowledge of the revealed will of God. That's why, remember how you hear me say over and over again what, that faith begins where the will of God is known. If you're not absolutely, absolutely decided about what God's will is in a situation, how could you pray and ask in faith for anything? In other words, if there's this nagging doubt or dismay about I don't know if it's God's will or not. So he said, before attempting, before attempting to exercise faith for healing, one needs to know what the scriptures plainly teach, that it is just as much God's will to heal the body as it is to heal the soul. Now, again, every one of these sentences to me, you know, I'd like to, I would stop and speak at it. It's just as much God's will to heal the body as it is to heal the soul. In other words, it's just as much God's will to save your body as it is to save your soul. And hopefully we're persuaded that it's God's will that all men be saved, Right? Somebody say yes. Thank you. That make me feel good. The sermons in this book point out and explain those portions of scripture that will forever settle this point for you. It is only by knowing that God promises what you are seeking that all uncertainty can be removed and a steadfast faith is made possible. His promises are each a revelation of what God is eager to do for us until we know what God's will is. Again, there is nothing on which to base our faith. It is important that the mind of those seeking healing be renewed so as to be brought into harmony with the mind of God. This is revealed in the Bible and pointed out on the following pages. Faith for the appropriation of God's promised blessings is the result of knowing and acting on God's word. The right mental attitude or the renewed mind makes steadfast faith possible to us all. Like I said, I could read a lot, but I want to just read one other little bit here. He said in Proverbs 4, verses 20 to 22, we have the most comprehensive instructions on how to receive healing. Proverbs 4, 20, 22 says, attend to my words, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. And again, hopefully these are familiar scriptures. Now listen to what he said. The word of God cannot be health to either soul or body before it is heard, received, and attended to. Notice here that the words of God are life only to those who find them. If you want to receive life and healing from God, take time to find the words of Scripture that promises these results. When God's Word becomes health to all your flesh, your cancer will be gone, your tumor will be gone, your goiter will be gone. We have seen the Word, when received and acted on, produce these results thousands of times. The flesh of thousands today is unhealthy flesh because they have failed to find and attend to that part of God's Word that produces healing. This is the divine method of receiving the blessings that God has provided for us. Many have failed to receive healing simply because they have not followed this method. God says that when we do as we are told in the scripture, His words are made health to all our flesh. It matters not what particular kind of unhealthy flesh, again, whether cancer, goiter, tumor, God says health to all their flesh. Whose flesh? Those who find and attend to the words of God on the subject. This is exactly the same way that the Word of God becomes health to the soul. In this comprehensive passage, God tells us exactly how to attend to His words. He says, Let them not depart from your eyes, but keep them in the midst of your heart. Instead of having your eyes on your symptoms and being occupied with them, let God's words not depart from thine eyes. Look at them continually, and like Abraham, wax strong in faith by looking at the promises of God and at nothing else." As the only way a seed can do its work is by being kept in the ground, so the only way that God's imperishable seed can effectually work in us is by it being kept in the midst of our hearts. This does not mean occasionally, but continuously. The reason why many have failed is because they have not done this. Amen. Now, Like I said, I've got to be careful or we'd wind up reading the whole book again. But. That basic truth, again, no matter what the topic is, remains the truth today. Can anybody, does anybody see that that's true? If we would just somehow catch, the, it's, it, just catch that. You need, if, if you need healing, I mean, I need to do this afresh myself. We all need to do it, but whatever there is, your financial life, your relational life, Get a legal yellow pad out there. Get a yellow pad out. Find every scripture that you can find. Get a concordance and find every scripture you can find on that given topic. Keep them before your eyes. That's what he said to do. And as he would say further on in this, and as many of my old teachers proved, if you will do that, well, God's no respecter of persons. He will do what he always said. He said, those words will become health to all your flesh. Hallelujah. It will produce, remember, because God's word is supernatural. God's word is anointed and anointings break yokes. And if you keep that stuff around you, it will break off that stuff from your flesh. Hallelujah. This is what we've got to get to us. Okay, so anyhow, we're going to go to Lesson 1 now. And so I want you to turn to Psalm 103 as we just start out here. Psalm 103. We're going to start reading from verse 1. Again, everything's from the Amplified Bible here. David says, Bless affectionately and gratefully, praise the Lord, O my soul. And all that is deepest within me, bless His holy name. Bless... Affectionately and gratefully praise the Lord, all oh my soul. And it says, forget not one. Don't forget even one of all his benefits. Everybody say, I will not forget. <laughs> Don't forget even one of all his benefits. And then he begins to list them. It says in verse three, who forgives every one of all your iniquities, who forgives every one of your iniquities of all your iniquities and who heals each of you of all your diseases. Hallelujah. So categorically, it says here that one of the benefits, one of the benefits, one of the benefits of serving God is that He forgives sin. He, he just rolls straight over our iniquities and forgives our sin. And it says that He heals all of us of all our diseases. Hallelujah. That's still the will of God today. Verse 4 says, Who redeems your life from the pit and corruption, (coughs) who beautifies, dignifies, and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfies your mouth, your necessity and desire at your personal age and situation with good so that your youth renewed is like the eagles, strong, overcoming and soaring hallelujah again i want to say this is still the will of god today and whatever the topic is remember that when you first start to look at something like this the way i had to do it years ago was this you you have to quit looking at god's word through your present circumstances you hear me are are you hear me you have you must not look at god's word through your present circumstances. In other words, and begin to judge truth by what you're experiencing. In every class, we'll make a statement, something that effect. But again, this is where we speak to this issue. You do not, you're not to live by experiential knowledge. In other words, you don't take your experience and interpret God's word. You take God's word and you hold it up against your experience. And you allow God's word to change your experience in the future as opposed to allowing your experience to change God's word. In other words, don't turn it around. But again, many people like we say over and over again, this is where denominationalism came from. People had an experience with God from wherever they believed. And so they began to say that is how God works and that's only how God works. No, that's how God worked for you. Because again, God's love for us, remember, is so individualistic. God's love for us is so strong that He'll meet you where you believe. But He just, again, has to find out where you believe. But He will meet you. Don't forget any of His benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Hallelujah. But again, we have to keep looking at it and keep it in front of our eyes. Now, let's go right back to Exodus chapter 12. And we're gonna look at the Passover. Uh, when God's people are coming out of Egypt. All the plagues have come, and this is the final plague, of course, where the firstborn of all Egypt is going to be struck dead. But there's some things to see here, like I said, as we're looking at healing and the redemption. Now again, I didn't even use that phrase yet, but on the outline, that's point one, is that we're looking at healing and the redemption. And again, point A, that we're looking at the Old Testament provision. and there were, In other words, was healing available on the Old Testament? And the answer is absolutely, it was everywhere. As we just read from the Psalms, David said, and again, I know it's such a familiar Psalm, but I wish we'd really hear it. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not one of his benefits. Don't forget, I refuse in Jesus' name to forget. I choose to remember all his benefits. And the two, the major two benefits that he mentions, the first ones are just that. He forgives, thank God, thank God he forgives because I don't know about you, but I need forgiveness daily. He forgives all our iniquities and he heals all our diseases. And then again, see, God help us understand this right from the beginning. We hopefully, even if we don't feel it ourselves sometimes, we believe that God forgives and forgives immediately, don't we? I mean, if we're talking to someone else in particular, remember how I've used this illustration before, if you are trying to help somebody else who's made a mistake, and you're trying to tell them, listen, just come to the Lord and ask him to forgive you and quit living in that condemnation because he will forgive you. And you will have no problem at all ministering that to a friend will you because you're persuaded beyond doubt there when you're just sitting and you put your arm around and say listen god will forgive you just ask him just repent just say i'm sorry just say father forgive me and god will instantaneously i mean you do believe that don't you i mean that's what the scriptures promises god will forgive you not a month from now not a year from now but god's forgiveness is immediate, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, oh, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. You see, the issue is that we should have within our mindset and within our spiritual grasp the very same sense of immediacy in seeing that God's will to heal us is just as secure as God's will to forgive us. That just like He'll forgive us, He'll heal us. Yes. Oh, well, hallelujah. But again, you see, it's, it's, it's tough because we, we have to then understand, well, I don't necessarily, if he's that quick to forgive me, how come I don't, or to, that quick to heal me, how come I don't feel better much quicker? And again, this is where you're going to have to understand the process that takes place once you believe it and once you receive it, healing is at work. But again, we have to differentiate between healing and miracles. Miracles mean an instantaneous explosion of God's almightiness. But healing, the very word, speaks of a time span. This is why the Bible says, for example, lay hands on the sick and they shall what? Recover. It doesn't necessarily mean it's immediate. It's not like instant. There's something that happens when we release faith and healing does begin. And I mean healing does begin. Every single time you lay hands on the sick, if you're a believer, healing does begin to work in the body. But then, you see, you have to keep that switch of faith turned on, as one man said many, many years ago, because otherwise that very truth, that very power can be stopped, can be aborted. In other words, the manifestation of it will not take place. Remember, again, uh, when we talked about how the virgin birth took place, Mary received a word Mary received a message Mary received an angelic word that came from heaven and said be it done unto me 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 me according to thy word and the scripture says that word became flesh and dwelt amongst us and again that's the pattern for all of it You receive the word of healing into the womb of your spirit. If you will receive that word, it will take upon itself flesh and it will manifest itself in the flesh if you don't abort it. If you allow it to continue to work. This is the pattern throughout all scripture, no matter what the topic is. But again, how do you abort it? Well, you abort it with doubt, with unbelief and with confessions that are wrong, when you begin to speak totally against everything that you just said in one moment was, was true, and then you begin to deny its truth 30 seconds later. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think he shall receive anything from the Lord. We gotta become single-minded. Back in Exodus twelve, we're going to read almost the entire chapter because we we well, at least twenty-eight verses of it, because we need to put it in context, because we need you to see the types again in the shadows here about the flesh of this lamb that they ate, knowing that this lamb, of course, represents Jesus Christ. In Corinthians, Paul said, Jesus Christ, our Passover. Our Passover is sacrifice for us. Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. And every time, and when we get to the communion table, remember, every time it says, you partake of that, you are symbolically partaking of Jesus Christ, aren't you? Of his body, and of his blood. And the Bible says, you do that in remembrance of him, or to call this truth back into remembrance. And it says, don't partake of it unworthily, not esteeming the worth of what you do. But that is symbolic of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb. So we're going to go back here and say, well, what happened to these people? Now, remember the situation here. You're talking about Exodus, the 12th chapter. Remember, there's about 2 million people that are going to come out of Egypt. Okay? It speaks of 800,000 men, but not including the women and the children. Historians say you get around 2 million people. They were under, remember, harsh, harsh Egyptian taskmasters. They were worked to the bone. You do remember, if nothing else, you've seen the movie, The Ten Commandments. <laughs> and you can you remember, I mean, the, the slaves pulling on these huge concrete blocks, all the things. These people uh, had opportunity to have all kinds of broken bones or, or pain and, and bruises in their bodies and what have you, I mean. Two million people. You're trying to tell me among two million people, there's not going to be some people that have some problems. But something happens here uh, that we're going to read when they receive this Passover lambs. It's, it's kind of just hidden in there, but let's just read it anyhow. Verse 1, chapter 12 of Exodus. The Lord said to Moses in Aaron and the land of Egypt, This month shall be to you the beginning of months, the first month of the year to you. Tell all the congregation of Israel on the 10th day of this month they shall take every man a lamb or a kid according to the size of the family of which he is the father a lamb or a kid for each house. Remember all the typology again here. I'm going to repeat myself because this is a new course. Every, every head of household was to bring the lamb, a lamb into their own house. Now remember Three places in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 6, 2 Corinthians 3. Paul says, know you not that you're the temple or the house of God. So again, if you can see, just like these people brought the lamb into their house, we bring Jesus into our life, into our heart, right? Right, just say right anyhow. Like I said, I know I'm back in England again. Okay, and verse four says, and if the household is too small to consume the lamb, let him and his next door neighbor take it according to the number of persons. Every man according to what each can eat shall make your count for the lamb. Verse five, your lamb or your kid shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from the sheep of the goats. Again, all typology, Jesus Christ came from amongst the whole people of Israel. Verse six, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall each kill his lamb in the evening. They shall take of the blood and put it on the two side posts and on the lintel above the door space of the houses in which they shall eat the Passover lamb. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor boiled, or at all with water, but roasted, its head, its legs, and its inner parts. Verse ten. You shall let nothing of the meat remain until the morning and the bones and the unedible bits which remain of it until morning you shall burn with fire. He says you need to consume the whole lamb. Now I always stop there because a lot of people only want to consume the part of Jesus that they like. It's like American Thanksgiving dinners. You know, give me the white meat. <laughs> you know what I mean? People, Would you like white meat? Do you like dark meat? You know, you have a preference. You're to consume the whole lamb. They had to consume the whole lamb. This is why Paul said in the book of Acts, he said, I was not negligent to preach unto you the whole counsel of God. We need to consume all of God's word, not just the parts that we like to linger on. Now watch verse 11. He said, and this is how you're to eat the Passover. Now listen to this. You're to eat it thus as fully prepared for a journey with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. In other words, when you partake of this meal, it's not to be this leisurely meal that you sit down and you, know, you have a, a two-hour fellowship over. He said, I want you to have your staff in your hand. I want you to have your clothes on, your shoes on your feet. In other words, you need to be Prepared. this is important, listen, you need to be prepared to leave your present circumstances. You need to be prepared when you partake of this lamb. You need to have it in your mind and in your spirit. You need to be prepared to leave your present circumstances. I'm going to read it again, verse 11. And you shall eat it thus as fully prepared for a journey. Your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste it is the Lord's Passover. Verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment, proving their helplessness, for I am the Lord. The blood shall be for a token or sign to you upon the doorposts of the houses where you are that when I see the blood, I will pass over you when I see the blood. If this possibly is the most classic Pentecostal scripture in all the Bible. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague shall be upon you. To destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt, and this day shall be to you for a memorial. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Keep it as an ordinance forever. In celebration of the Passover in future years, seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put even the first day you shall put away leaven, which is symbolic of corruption, out of your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. Now remember in 1 Corinthians 11, when we're talking about communion, it says, examine yourself whether you be in the faith. You're to examine yourself in light of the communion table, in light of what it stands for. You're to examine yourself Remember, like it says, if you have ought against anybody in all these areas, in other words, because the blood, remember, stands for forgiveness of sin. And the body represents the body that was broken for us, in other words, so that our body does not have to be broken. So it means that you should examine, is there unforgiveness in your spirit? Let it go. Is there sickness and disease in your body? Then again, be prepared to leave it and be prepared to receive the solution to that issue, to that problem. Verse 16, on the first day you shall hold a solemn and a holy assembly. And on the seventh day there shall be a solemn and a holy assembly. No kind of work shall be done in them save preparation of that which every person must eat. That only may be done by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day have I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall you observe this day throughout your generations as an ordinance forever. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread and continue until the twenty-first day of the month of evening. Of, at evening. Verse 19, again, seven days no leaven shall be found in your houses. Whoever eats what is leavened shall be excluded from the congregation of Israel, whether a stranger or native born. Verse 20, you shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread during that week. Verse 21, then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, go forth. In other words, he's going to take all these instructions down, give it to the elders who are going to give it to all to all this 2 million people. Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, go forth, select and take a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. It's the first time the word is used there. This Passover it means, It literally remembers the words that speaks of wings. It's the word that's used in Psalm 91, where he shall cover you with his wings. It's the very same word. It speaks of that covering that God brings us. Every single one of you shall kill the Passover lamb and you shall take a bunch of hyssop. You shall dip it in the blood in the basin and touch the lintel above the door and the two side posts with the blood. None of you shall go out of his house until morning That means you're going to have to wait. After you apply the blood, you're going to have to wait while these things go by. Did you hear me? After you apply the blood, he said, you're going to have to stay in the house until the morning. You're going to have to wait until that stuff passes by. You shall observe, excuse me, verse 23, for the Lord will pass through to slay the Egyptians Thank God for this verse, huh? And when he sees the blood upon the lintel and the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses. Hallelujah. Now remember today the house is what? You're the temple of the Lord everybody is to bring a lamb into their house and sacrifice him consume him and then take the blood and apply it to the gateway to the gateway to the entrance of your house where you go in where you go out you're to apply that blood. And again, you can. there's a lot of ways to teach this, but your eyes and your ears are where information comes in and your mouth is where information goes out. You're to apply the blood in both areas. You're to always have God's word in your mouth. You're to have God's word in your ears. Have God's word before your eyes. Let them not depart from before your eyes, okay? I, you know, I, I wish I could make it simpler, but that's as simple as it can get. <laughs> you can't get it any simpler. Well, now I, again, I'm hesitating because I've, I've shared this truth in, in so many of the different courses, but we have to look at this again here. He said, when I see the blood, now, I, and I always ask this, if, 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 if these people would have obeyed the Lord and they all brought a lamb into the house. If they had not sacrificed and killed that lamb, would the destroyer have had the right to come into their houses? What's the answer? Yes, right? Does that mean the Lord doesn't love them? No, no. It just means they didn't fully, they didn't wholly follow him. Remember, Jacob and Caleb, Numbers 14, a little later, there's that phrase that says, they had a different spirit. They wholly followed. Some people follow the Lord a little bit, but then there's those who follow the Lord completely. If they'd brought that lamb into the house and they'd killed it, and they consumed it, in other words, just num, 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 <laughs> eat this word, just eat it, just consume the whole lamb, but didn't apply the blood, would the destroyer have still had the right to come to their household? And the only answer you can come up with is Yes. Absolutely. Because the principal issue was what? Not just having the lamb, not just having sacrificed the lamb, not just having consumed the lamb, but taking that part of the lamb that represents life, because the life is in the blood, and applying that life to the entry points of the house. You have to apply the life to the entry points of the house, your ears, your eyes, your mouth, all through scripture. You know, Joshua 1.8, let this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, so that thou mightest observe to do according to all that is written there. And for then you shall make your own way prosperous, and you shall deal wisely in life and have good success, all right? But you have to do, you have to apply the blood. Now, I always just quote this, but I want you to turn to John 6, John chapter 6, so that I can make reference to this and actually read it. John chapter 6. Jesus said here in verse 48, now this is when he's around, all his disciples are with him, and he's in front of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he said here in verse 48, 48, he says some stuff that really upsets these people. John 6, verse 48 from the Amplified Bible. I am the bread of life that gives life. I'm the living bread. Your forefathers ate the manna in the wilderness and yet they died. But this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that any one may eat of it and never die. Verse 51, I myself am this living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And also the bread that I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh, my body. Then the Jews angrily contended with one another saying, wait a second, how is he able to give us his flesh to eat? In other words, they're hearing him Literally, and trying to interpret what he says literally, and they're freaking out, aren't they? They're saying, Well, wait a second, except you eat my flesh? What? What? How, how is he going to give us his flesh to eat? Verse 53 Jesus said to them, I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, and, and that's I mean, you know, when you really hear the, his heart here, I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, he said, You cannot have. And listen, you cannot, we cannot, we cannot, you cannot have any life. You cannot have, you will not have any life in you unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. Man, that's powerful. I'm telling you, it's so simple, we miss it. It's just so powerful. You do not have much life in you until you consume his flesh and drink his blood. And like it says here, unless you appropriate his life and the saving merit of his blood. Verse 55, 54, Jesus is continuing. He said, he who feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has and possesses now eternal life and I will raise him up from the dead on the last day. For my flesh is true and genuine food, and my blood is true and genuine drink. He who feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood dwells continually in me, and I in like manner dwell continually in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live by and through and because of the Father, even so whoever continues to feed on me, whoever takes me for his food and is nourished by me shall in his turn live through and because of me. Verse 58, this is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the manna which our forefathers ate and yet died. He who takes this bread for his food shall live forever. He said these things in a synagogue while he was teaching at Capernaum. Verse 60, when his disciples heard this, many of them said, "Who, this is a hard and a difficult and a strange saying an offensive and an unbearable message is what it says in the Greek. Who can stand to hear this? Because remember, what what are their ears hearing? Their ears are hearing the same thing the Pharisees and Sadducees were hearing. He's he's saying, he's standing in front of you and saying, eat my flesh. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you, you will not have any life in you. And they're freaking out because they're thinking again on a lower plane. And they said... This is a hard, a difficult, a strange saying. Who can stand to hear it? Who can be expected to listen to such teaching? But Jesus, knowing within himself that his disciples were complaining and protesting and grumbling about it, said to them, Is this a stumbling block and an offense to you? Does this upset and displease and shock and scandalize you? What then will be your reaction if you should see the Son of Man ascending to the place where he was before? And then he said this in verse 63. And this is the explanation, you see. It is the Spirit, he said, who gives life. He is the life giver. The flesh conveys no profit, whatever there is. Excuse me, the flesh conveys no benefit, whatever there is, no profit in it. The words... The words, the truths that I have been speaking to you are spirit and our life, the words. But still some of you fail to believe and trust and have faith. For Jesus knew from the first who did not believe and had no faith and who would betray him and be false to him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless he is granted, unless it is granted him, unless he is enabled to do so by the father. And after this, many of his disciples drew back, they returned to their old associations and they no longer accompanied him. And Jesus said to the 12, will you also go away and do you too desire to leave me? But Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. But the point of all this teaching is again, this thing in verse 63. He's telling them, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And then he does something incredible. He said, the words that I'm speaking to you, he said, they are spirit and they are life. And what he's saying is when I'm talking about eating my flesh and drinking my blood, I'm talking about you literally consuming the truths and the words. That I'm giving to you because that's where you're going to find life now why does that why am i reading that in connection with with exodus 12 it's because again if you're honest about this and you really look at it Jesus is doing something marvelous today you see in the new testament we don't sacrifice lambs and take blood and apply them because Jesus Christ was our Passover lamb. He was sacrificed once and once for all, Hebrews says, for all time. But we can't go and apply the blood to our doorways. We can't apply the blood to our lentils. We can't apply the blood to that stuff. So we know that you see in Leviticus it says you know, when you, that the life is in the blood. The reason blood was so powerful is because of what it represented. Remember this is why when we teach on the sacrificial system I always share this with students. So many people, the moment you mention the word sacrifice, if you have a choice between looking or thinking about life or death, 99%, I mean, the churches I just ministered out in the States, we went along that line in a couple of them, and I said, what's the first word you think of when you say sacrifice? And they all say, "You know, if the choice is life and death, they say death. The first thing you think about is death when you think about sacrifice. That's everybody in the church lifted their hand and said death. And it says it here, like Bosworth says it, but I've been saying it for years too, when you really study this stuff, you'll find out that sacrifice never was a way that you were getting to death. Sacrifice was the way that you got to blood so that you could get to life. And that's an incredible thing to understand because today it helps us know that when we have to be, or need to be sacrificial in an area, it's not quit looking at what you're losing and start looking at what you're going to produce. Look at the life that's gonna come. But back to the point. Jesus Christ equates blood to his words. He said, the words that I speak unto you, they're spirit, they're life, they're life, they're life. It's the words today that are life. It's not the blood today that's life. It's the Word today that is life. Are you hearing me? So this is the issue. In the Old Covenant, in Exodus 12, they had to apply the blood to all the entry points. Today, we apply God's Word to all the entry points, and we've got to keep it there if we want, to, if we want the destroyer to pass by our houses. Hallelujah. <laughs> God's Word, you see, it just comes down to that God's Word. But see, it ha- God help us even right now to go past this just being a teaching uh, and it being revealed to your spirit, how powerful that truth is right there. We no longer apply the blood. Today, we speak the Word, we hear the Word, and we keep the Word in front of our eyes. And if we will do that, the destroyer will not be able to come in to our houses. That's God's promise. Hallelujah. And he is the same yesterday and today and forever. But again, you can have a lamb in the house. Friends, you can have 35 Bibles in your house (laughs) and it not produce any life, even though it's full of life. Those Bibles are full of life. Those Bibles have to be in your heart. And you can have, like I said, the truth. You can have tapes on all day long. That's part and parcel of it. But the point is, at some point, you're going to have to have that word in your mouth. And you're going to have to allow your eyes to only behold that word. And again, your ears to only listen to that word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. Just look at Psalm 105 because this is an incredible thing as far as a proof that something happens real quickly. Psalm 105. When David is testifying about all this. It says, he brought, this is Psalm 105 verse 37. Now really listen to this. Really think about this. He brought Israel forth. This is talking about the Exodus. He brought Israel forth also with silver and gold and there was not One feeble person. There was not one feeble person among their tribes. How could that have been the case before the Passover in Exodus 12? Two million people under harsh taskmasters being whipped, being beaten, uh, all kinds of stuff. Just think about it. Just think about it. There's no way. But something had to have happened when they received that lamb. It had to be. It's, and it's implicated in several places in Scripture. But it says there was not one feeble among them when he brought them out. Now, if that isn't a promise, if that isn't a miraculous sign of God's, God at work in his people, I don't know what is, okay? So that's the beginning of all this. Let's make sure we have the lamb in our house, but let's make sure that we consume him. And then, bless God, let's make sure that we take some of that And we consistently on a daily basis, on a daily basis, on a daily basis, keep that word in front of our eyes, keep that word in our ears, and keep that word in our mouth so that we can say in Jesus' name, the destroyer has no right to come into my house. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, we thank you for this first session in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. You have reached the end of this lesson. Please insert the next lesson to continue.